Hello, listeners, and welcome to Area of Expertise, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast where we cover all things D&D. From the massive worlds you build to the heroes you play, AoE has you covered. Happy listening! Hello, welcome to Area of Expertise. I'm Wyatt. And I'm Devin. Today it is Monster Day. Get your uh, Halloween vibes back. I realized that was, what, like two weeks ago when this one goes up? Yeah, I was thinking that too. Yeah, we're, we're actually recording this uh, on the second, so it's... A couple about, days after. Yeah, a couple days, which um, the map making episode just went up um, today, actually, the week, uh, the day that we're recording this, the map making episode went up. Uh, but I made a goof in my planning. <laughs> we I'd planned on doing uh, the monster episode for Halloween. Oh uh, yeah, but you know schedules and whatnot. It's yeah. gets a busy. Anyway, so before we get to uh, talking about our main topic, though, let's go through what we always go through. Uh, Devin, what did you do with D and D this week? Uh, this week we had our our usual session on Monday, uh, where I play a kobold rogue named Cogmard. Uh, He's this incorrigible little bastard that just does whatever <laughs> the first thing that comes to his mind, but he always does it pretty well. Um, I'm trying to see if I can remember what happened. Um, we've been trying to look. We, we've gotten this key that opens up. A, we're playing Dragon Heist, so I guess I don't want to spoil too much, but we're, we're, on, we're on the lookout for this specific key that we're supposed to get. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're having a t- uh, tough time trying to uh, uh, track them down, so... Uh, We've we've been going about it pretty haphazardly, getting into a little bit of hijinks along the oh, way. Oh, absolutely hijinks! <laughs> uh, his his high point this week was that he found a holy symbol to an evil god, oh, no. and the rest of the party was not on board with it. And they're like, "We need to melt that down." And it was made of pure gold. Like, we're not on board with that. So, like, they could be using that for nefarious purposes from afar. And I'm like, "But I want it." <laughs> so they made me melt it down. Um, and I melted it down, and I used all the other money that I had to get, like, a plaster cast of my head <laughs> and made a jeweler make a cast of my head out of the same gold. So now my uh, my kobold has a has a gold statue, a golden bust of his of his head and shoulders. Just walking around with that in his pocket? No, he put it on the mantle of the, the tavern we own. <laughs> so I never played uh, Dragon Heist, so I'm not, I'm not quite sure where that would fall into the whole story well uh, we're playing it pretty unconventionally uh, if you would ask our DM he he's uh, we've gone off story for about 70 to 75 percent of the module <laughs> it's it's rough but it's fun that'll happen yeah uh, um, what have you done this week this week I I mentioned this a little bit um, in the map making episode but I started a entirely new homebrew campaign with a different group of oh, did people. You, did, you, did you cancel your last one? No, it's still going. Oh, I'm, okay. uh, I'm currently in the middle of two homebrew campaigns. Right on. DMing two games at once. That's, oh, yeah. That's rough. Uh, this one, though, is pretty easy. It's uh, it's entirely based within a giant metropolis. That's cool, yeah. So it's, That's kind of how Dragon Dragon Heist is. Yeah. It's all in the biggest city in the... Is it all Waterdeep? It's all Waterdeep. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't leave Waterdeep. Yeah, this is a... The town that I've, or I guess the city that I've made them is very Waterdeep-esque mm-hmm. in that it's like the uh, the focal center of the plane. Like, everyone knows where the city is. Yeah. Everyone knows what happens in it. 
uh, but it's very inspired by uh, by kind of uh, Godfather. It's very oh yeah, lots of like kind of Gotham esque, where yeah. it's like uh, the the crime is running rampant or something. But it's a it's a very uh, it's, the story starts out as this like kind of pristine. Um, kind of like utopian city like everything is fine it's uh this big festival the the 2000th year of the founding um look behind the curtain and see see the bad and uh the very first session within like a half hour of playing um each sector of this city has um a senator and the senator of this section that the uh, players are in they witness the assassination Mm. and it's by this group of um I don't want to spoil too much in case they're listening. Yeah, but, no spoilers. But uh, they release these like uh, kind of shadow men, where they're they're very uh, they're basically just silhouettes of people, and they uh, they encounter them all throughout the city, and it's it, it's been a real it's been a real treat for them so far. I think they're having a good time with it. Yeah, Metropolis Metropolis areas are usually really fun for for most groups. There's just everybody can kind of get a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a very um. It's a very like gangs and territory kind of uh, kind of setting. So I, I've been having a lot of fun world building it. Yeah, sounds great. So uh, getting into the meat of this episode, we're, like I mentioned before, we're going to be talking about monsters. And so when you're picking out monsters, be it for an encounter or maybe for just your setting in general, you tend to want to play either the monsters to your setting or the setting to your monsters. Um, uh, what do you have to say to that? Devin? Um, I usually build my um, I use my, I build my plot around the monsters that I enjoy, Mm -hmm. the ones that I like using, Um, so I guess to answer it straightforward, I pick my monsters first and then I build the story and the setting around that. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'll I'll usually find a monster in the monster manual and think it's really cool and read up on its backstory and mm-hmm. it's like hey I could I could put an entire campaign around this yeah you you usually well for me I pick like a, a type like for the current campaign I picked undead because I've I've gone on record many times um, I like the darker and the more macabre aspects of D&D mm-hmm. so undead are usually a pretty big go-to for me if you're a cleric in my campaign you're probably gonna have a good time <laughs> um, but uh yeah, I, I picked Undead in general, but um, what I've noticed a lot is somebody will pick a... If somebody picks this method, they'll pick um, a monster that they really like, a, a powerful monster that they really like, mm-hmm. and like that's kind of like the big bad, and then they pick up the other monsters that would uh, filter down that you can kind of make thematic sense until the party gets to your big bad. So do you usually, you, do you usually build in reverse then? Do you usually pick like... Okay, I want um, lots of zombies in this campaign. So you pick your zombies, and it's like, okay, what do I what do I put in next? Maybe like a like a shambling mound or something. Shambling mounds. Um, well, those are elementals. Um, but like ev- every monster will have its place. Like you don't want to just bog down an entire campaign with the same type of monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like different types of monsters are always good to throw in, but like. Usually for me, if it's involving the main plot, you're going to find undead. Mm-hmm. Like For this campaign specifically, I picked the type, and then I picked the big bad off the type. Like It's not going to be hard to figure out, and I'm sure you already have. The big bad is going to be undead. Like I, I, can't okay. hide, I can't hide that. So when, when, when you say the words big bad and undead, my, my mind always goes to Lich. It's, you're, it, uh, you're not far off. <laughs> uh, it's... Uh, 
close, uh, is what I'll say. Yeah, and that's just... Because lich, liches are so cool. That, that's me just thinking, like, um, it's pretty common, especially at super high levels in campaigns. You, you stop facing uh, monsters that are uh, just beat you up. And you instead start facing a lot more high magic users. Mm -hmm. And when I think of like undead, it's usually like, yeah, the low levels, the zombies will beat you up. Well, like their their intelligence will start to uh, undead specifically, like their their mental faculties scale as they get tougher. Like not not just their size and strength. Like uh, the zombie is probably well, it's it's one of the weakest. I think the weakest is actually a crawling claw, which is just an animated hand. Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah, and they're they're super dopey, and I don't. I think I've ever used one, but I, I, um, isn't their challenge rating like zero? I think or it something? is. I think the crawling claws CR is is zero, <laughs> so like nobody should have problems killing this thing. Yeah, but you can put like like twenty of them in a room. I guess that'd be creepy. Just uh, just that'd have be, your that'd be pretty good, I guess. Have your players like explore a cellar and they break open a vase and it's just a, a whole bunch of yeah. tiny hands. Yeah, like a or like going through like a, a pyramid, like a like a. A mummy esque theme, where like the end, the end game is a mummy, but like the first room, you you bust open a pot to find treasure, and just crawling claws come out like ants. Uh, grabby boys. <laughs> the grabby boys. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you start off with like the basic zombie, which is one of the easiest um, monsters to fight that provides a challenge, mm-hmm. uh, and their intelligence I think is like six, maybe less. Yeah. Uh, and then you get to a lich, which is basically just an undead wizard. Their intelligence is 20, probably higher. I can't I, remember off the top of my head. And they're entirely sentient. Entirely, yeah. You you have to be sentient in order to do the the lore-appropriate ritual for a lich. Yeah, and a, a lot of zombies when you're starting out are very, uh, very just, like, hunger-driven. Very, yeah. like, basic Night of the Living Dead kind of zombies. Yeah, that's actually a point of contention for me, um... I despise the thematic element of, like, the rabid virus zombie, mm-hmm. like, the biological zombie. I'm much more on the side of, like, the awoken by magic fantasy zombie that's out to do... It's not driven by hunger. It's driven by whatever its master tells it to do. Okay. So, like, uh, I've never been a huge fan of, like, The Walking Dead, Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. uh, Left for Dead. Of course, Dead's always in those titles. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not on board. I'm. I can't say I'm not on board. I'm not as much of a fan of the biological rabid zombie as much as I am the compelled to act. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of thinking off that, this this kind of goes a little bit away from our topic. But how do you feel about uh, kind of like the Last of Us zombies, like the uh, the fungus infected, like drive for the hive? Uh, those those are those can be pretty good. I think they actually. I can't remember if it was a homebrew or if it was an actual um, Unearthed Arcana supplement. They made a druid, I think, um, that acts kind of that way. Like it, mm-hmm. it's like like the pollen druid. That oh like, no, that's that's a real thing. Is it a real thing? Yeah, it's a circle of spores. Yeah, something like that. And like you could make a really cool like druidic necromancer from that. Yeah, I've never seen I've never seen it actually like put together. No, before, I never have either. It I sounds just, really cool. It's, it's, it sounded neat. Yeah, I can I can get on board with that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I've I, I played through um, The Last of Us recently, so I have that sort of... Because uh, I've never played it. Like, flowering fungus kind oh, of yeah. zombie on the head. Kind of like that bug that, like, kills and takes over its uh, its victim and just, like, zombifies them. Yeah. 
It just kind of grows out of it. I don't know. It's the the stuff that derives from nature. That yeah, scares me. Yeah, nature is uh, scary. Nature is scary, but uh, <laughs> I'm also not a huge fan of druids. Just putting that out there. So yeah, it's druids uh, kind of a, a divisive kind of type, you know. Yeah, it, it, it falls in the same camp of like. Uh, you you play like the normal hit stuff fighter, or you play like an eldritch knight. You yeah. Know, one or the other. Anyway, we're anyways. Yeah, that's that's places. that's neither here nor there. All right. So uh, the next thing I want to kind of talk about is your go-to for small monsters. So uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit with the 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 claws and the mm -hmm. uh, the zombies, but when you're putting together a a, a sort of like a, a dungeon, let's say. This yeah. Harken back to the uh, dungeon I'm, crawling yeah. episode. I'm populating a dungeon. Yeah. Um, picking, picking with your undead theme, mm -hmm. let's say your dungeon, you have a few zombies in a room. Yep. But you want to change it up. What's your what's your go-to? Um, I actually... I actually love skeletons more than zombies because skeletons are so much more versatile. Mm -hmm. Zombies are kind of the mindless go-at-you, whack-you... And uh, not much else. Like, their undead fortitude is great but for survivability. But uh, I love having a skeleton in there because uh, by the monster manual, skeletons can use weapons and armor innately. Mm -hmm. So uh, you, could sh you could suit up uh, a room with, like, two or three zombies and two skeletons in the back to give some kind of, like, intrigue. Uh, the skeletons are in the back, short bow, popping people with arrows, while the zombies are up front uh, just... Going at them, so like, they just they just bludgeon with their hands, right? Yeah, they, their move is called slam. But zombies oh. can also use weapons. But like, come on and slam it. Uh, <laughs> it makes a point in the monster manual to say that a zombie can use a weapon, but if it drops it, it does not have the mind to pick it up. <laughs> so if it if it if you disarm the zombie, it will forget that it had a weapon. So, well, that's gone. Yeah, he's like, oh well, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. But that's great. I, I feel like I feel like you could put a lot of personality into that if you want to. Yeah, the, however much personality you want to put into an undead, like it, which, it's it's possible. Not it's not like me being sarcastic, but you, you can. Yeah, which I've never skeletons can be completely sentient. I don't think their intelligence is very high, but yeah. like, which I've never used a a skeleton in my campaigns. Oh. Do do they reassemble? Is that like a no? Uh, you can. So this is a very common like trope. Kind if of thing. you're a DM, you. You can make skeletons reassemble. I actually put together a small dungeon one time uh, based on Dark Souls, uh, where there was like a a, a necromancer light. It was a it was like a fifth level dungeon. Mm -hmm. um, there was a wizard at the end of the dungeon, um, and throughout the whole dungeon, uh, it was just skeletons. Oh. I'm not sure if you remember, but you were you were a part of this. I think I remember going after the necromancer. Yeah, because we were trying to find. Um, his like phylacteries, I guess. Yeah, it was something like I can't remember the exact goal. I just remember because I was pretty proud of it yeah. uh, and implementing it. Any skeleton that you kill in the dungeon mm -hmm. comes up, uh, reassembles, and comes back after you. Um, I think like a minute later. Like it takes a minute for the skeleton to reassemble until you kill the necromancer, and then they're all. Dead. Okay, so like ten rounds go by. And yeah, like you could back. you could kill a room out of skeletons, and then it's like, oh man, we killed them, cool, and they'll wait for a minute, mm -hmm. and then you're in the next room fighting skeletons, and then those ones you just killed just come in <laughs> from behind you, and you're like, oh my. Yeah. Uh, I'm always a fan of. So this is again, this is gonna harken back to the dungeon building one. I'm a I'm a big fan of the classics of uh, goblins specifically. Yeah, uh, I I am okay with goblins, um, but I like kobolds better. I just like uh, I like the versatility. Yeah. 
Um, I, like, I do like the mob mentality, sentient, mm-hmm. uh, low-level creatures. Because it, it's really easy to, like, to populate a room with, like, four or five goblins. And then, you know, once that gets kind of stale, um, maybe you have, like, goblin hyena riders. Yeah. Or goblin rat riders. Because I, I recently learned that Giant they... Giant rats. They, like, farm rats. Yeah. Like cattle. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gives you a sort of, like, diversity with it. Yeah. There's you ever see a small man on a rat charging at you in a dark cave? Yeah. <laughs> or weasels? Oh, I, god. I think I think kobolds are the same but they train giant weasels. Oh god, that that's terrifying mm-hmm. to be stuck in a corridor with a, a weasel riding lizard. Well, because kobolds rely on hit and run tactics, so mm-hmm. their dungeons will all always be scattered with like these little tunnels that only they can get through. Mm-hmm. So they train weasels that are like long and thin and they they ride weasels through these tunnels and they just whack you and they go back into the tunnel. So, I think I think goblins are the same way. They have that sort of guerrilla warfare. Yeah, well they have to. They're small and you'll beat the shit out of them if yeah. you don't, if if they don't. Which uh, do kobolds have that um, that hierarchy like goblins do? Because I know goblins have like goblin, goblin boss, and then like goblin king slash queen. Well, um, goblins are um, chaotic evil, so generally uh, goblins are only kept in line in their hierarchy because the most powerful person does that. As soon as the most powerful, the way that I've always understood it, a chaotic evil monster hierarchy only exists as long as the most powerful person is the most powerful person. Mm-hmm. So once you take that out, it kind of dissolves. Yeah, somebody, some it'll be in chaos until somebody fills that void. Until somebody beats up the rest of the goblins, and then he becomes the goblinoid. Mm-hmm. I've always liked the idea of uh, a goblin tribe whose leader is always named the same thing. <laughs> um so the leader always has the same name, no matter who it is. They they elect, they dub him, um, they dub him Greenbow Redcap or something. <laughs> Every leader is always Greenbow Redcap, and like, they don't they don't even like give him like a second or third. There's no. always the original Greenbow. It's always Greenbow. Yeah. <laughs> but um, back to the topic though. Uh, kobolds are inherently lawful evil, so they keep their structure for their own, for its own sake. Yeah. Um, they they keep their hierarchy because it's what is expected of them, and they care uh, they care about the survival of their their uh, tribe more than anything, and they're willing to make sure that they're in their place to do so. See, I always figured they would be uh, kind of like ants. So like yeah, ba- you, they basically. You know how like a, when an ant queen dies, the uh, or not dies, but like when the the kind of kingdom falls apart the the ants just kind of scatter and go find other colonies that have a queen and they just yeah. assimilate yeah that could, that could be a thing I, I feel like that's kind of what goblins do I don't know I would, I would have to read up more on it um but th- while, while I'm thinking about it I had uh I I remembered a part of the encounter from last episode I talked about the uh the goblin boss that dug underneath the table to get away yeah um. I remember I took a bit from, I can't remember what book I pulled it out of, but this goblin boss was much larger than the other ones. Mm-hmm. So what he would do is he would hang back from the party and he would pick up the smaller goblins and chuck and them at the party. Goblin bombardment. Yeah, just like he doesn't want to fight them. So he's just going to chuck his underlings in there to fight for him. I could see a bugbear doing the same thing in that scenario. <laughs> like, that that's that also adds to the versatility of goblins is because there's so many goblinoid things. Mm-hmm. You've got goblins, you've got the goblin boss, hobgoblins, bugbears. 
yeah, all, can, all kinds of you stuff. You could put together an entire hive. Like, yeah, you could put an entire together an entire campaign just based around goblinoids. Oh man, we could we could do a we could totally do like a goblin slayer yeah, campaign. Yeah, yeah, and like the the big bad at the end would be like a, a like a PC because uh, hobgoblins are. Uh, a playable race, mm -hmm. so you could stat out an entire right. NPC hobgoblin as the big bad, make him like level ten. Say, aren't uh, didn't they introduce goblin? Goblins and bugbears are also playable characters. Oh wow! So you, I you remember could, you could stat out the whole thing and keep it. You you could like if you wanted to go this whole route. Mm -hmm. If you if you didn't want to keep like the basic ass goblins in there. Um, you could start statting out goblins and bugbears and things to make it more challenging. Like the the normal goblins, not enough for you. So you make <laughs> a you make a third level goblin rogue that yeah. has all those abilities too. Which uh, the goblins I, were introduced in Ravnica, right? The Ravnica pack. Playable goblins were uh, introduced in Volo's guide. Were they? Yeah. Okay. So I I just remember that they have one in the Ravnica set, but. That's that's cool that they were introduced. I didn't know they had one in the Ravnica set. Yeah, the the Ravnica set put in like uh, that's where I got my centaur character. Yeah, was, I knew they uh, put in centaurs, Vidalkin, um, Simic hybrids. Yeah, and I think they put minotaurs in there too, which Maybe. is cool. I'm surprised that D and D didn't have playable minotaurs and oh, centaurs uh, from the beginning. Minotaurs were in uh, Eberron with Warforged. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I need to. I need to. Find a book sale and just yeah. pick up a whole bunch of those and catch up. Yeah, the, I, I do like having the physical copies of the book. Mm -hmm. It's neat to have for the collection. I mean, you just flip through them one day and mm -hmm. kind of brush up off with yourself, you know? Yeah. Which, um, kind of moving right along, what's your favorite sort of medium-type monster? So let's say your characters are around level... Five to level eight, maybe. Yeah. The the goblins are just aren't doing it anymore. Yeah. And you don't want to stat them up, so maybe get them a little more spicy to throw at them. I haven't implemented it yet, but I've also gone on record as being a pretty big fan of Yonti. Mm -hmm. Yonti are kind of in that vein. They uh they can fulfill from low to high level in in the middle. Um, I think their hierarchy is interesting. Um, and I've planned on using them for a while, but I haven't yet. Um. So I like Yonti. Um, some mid-level undead would be like uh, Wraiths. Wraiths are CR5. Okay. Um, there's a pretty big jump in undead, actually. I think Wraith, it goes from 5 to like 12. So isn't it like uh, like zombies are around CR 1 half to 1? I think zombies are either 1 half or 1 quarter. And then they put like uh, poltergeists and like yeah. lesser specters. specters are specters are CR one. Um, shadows are one half. Oh, I forgot about shadows. Shadows are cool. I yeah. like shadows. Uh, ghosts are four. Wraiths are five. I think whites, which is basically just like armored up, sword wielding zombies, mm -hmm. little more, little smarter. Um, I think they're CR three. Okay, so there's there's a little bit for... So yeah, you could build a decent encounter with a Wraith and a few Whites for yeah. a mid-level. So I do know that, um, I think, I can't remember if Ghosts have um, Magical Resistance. They have Resistance, they don't have like the keyword Magic Resistance. Ma magic Resistance, uh, for mechanics sake, is you have advantage on saves against magical like spells and magical effects. Mm -hmm. 
uh, ghosts do resist a lot of the magical damage types. It's really hard to bludgeon a, a yeah, ghost. <laughs> yeah, like they're they're resistant to non-magical bludgeoning damage. I would, I'd make the argument that they would be immune. Mm-hmm. To non-magical physical damage, but that's not the way it is. Say so something being that low CR, it's very surprising that that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Especially since they can permanently affect your age. Yeah, if you fail a save, their damage can permanently age you to the like to the point of reasonable death. Yeah, like if if you're a human and you made like an older human, like yeah. like in your fifties, and they roll because like it's a D eight. I think years. it's a I think it's a D four. A D4 times 10. D4 times 10. Okay. It's a D4 times 10 years. And, like, you age up 40 years, you just die. Yeah, yeah. I, as a DM, I would say if you are 90 years old suddenly, you're probably dead. Yeah, it, especially with... Have you have you seen uh, Forgotten Realms Healthcare? <laughs> it's probably not good. It's not good unless you're in a, uh, a hyper-religious society that's like, <laughs> oh, no, our clerics can can just take take care of about everything. Yeah, they can just heal you of age. No, it's a uh... That that is the caveat though. If you get uh if you get a I think it has to be greater restoration. If you get greater restoration within 24 hours, mm-hmm. then you uh your age reverts, but otherwise it's permanent if you don't get it within the 24 hours. See, they don't classify it as a curse. Do I don't they? think it is classified so as like, a curse. So like remove curse doesn't. Mm-mm. It has to be it has to be greater restoration. Oh man, that's nuts. Yeah, especially for like poltergeist having lo- being CR three. Yeah, ghosts are CR four. Uh, poltergeists, poltergeists are like a like a variant human of uh, specters. Oh okay. Uh, I think the only difference is they get some like telekinetic abilities. Mm-hmm. They can throw stuff. Yeah. <laughs> now when I when I go for um, when I go for kind of medium range creatures. Like I've, um, me and Devin were talking about this just before we started. I I'm a huge fan of Displacer Beasts. Yeah, I do like Displacer Beasts because they're like they're reasonably hard to hit. Mm-hmm. They, if they fail a saving throw, they take half damage anyway. Yeah, from like spells from their from their displacement. Um, and they have multi attack at a CR three. Yep. So you could reasonably, if you have a party, like a larger party of like five to seven characters, three Displacer Beasts can mm-hmm. reasonably contend. Well, they, they can be annoying. I remember being an encounter of just Displacer Beasts when we were about level six, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was tough. Oh, yeah. It was, it was tough to get through them. And especially since their attacks... Um, their attacks do two different types of damage. Yeah, the, I don't remember if they do they do poison damage or. Uh, their first attack does bludgeoning, and their second attack does slashing. Okay, I didn't know if they did any like elemental damage. Oh no, um, I I actually ran a displacer beast uh, last week, and so it's very uh, fresh in my head because uh, one of the party members had bought a um, a potion. I can't remember if it was a potion or something. It was, it made it so that they got um, half damage from uh, slashing mm-hmm. damage specifically. Yeah. And then when they were fighting the Splacer Beast, I was like, you'll take this much slashing and then this much bludgeoning. And they're like, wait, what? It's two types? It's like, yeah, the, the tentacle like smacks you with the blunt end and then hits you with the clawed end on its way back. Yeah, it's it's tentacles are, are gnarly. And that's that's something that... The first time I ran Displacer Beast, I didn't even realize because mm-hmm. I just read right over it. Yeah, well, well, usually it won't be a huge deal, but if you're implementing stuff like 
damage specific resistances, then mm-hmm. it's gonna be it's gonna be rough. Yeah, which and aside for for future episodes, I want to talk about damage types <laughs> and how yeah. underappreciated they are. They well, they're underappreciated because I feel like wizards kind of drop the ball on resistances and vulnerability. Like n- almost no, there are very few creatures in the monster manual that are vulnerable to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Like skeletons are vulnerable to bludgeoning damage, of course. You break your bones. But um, I think ghosts are vulnerable to radiant damage. Mm-hmm. Um, See, I always thought that it might just be like the RPG guy in me, but I always thought that all undead took extra damage from fire. Nope. Yeah, and that's not a thing in D anD. I don't think that. I don't think that a majority of the undead have any vulnerabilities. Yeah, and that's that's crazy to me. It feels like in an RPG that should be. I think the only the case. I think the only major thing is that zombies don't get their undead fortitude ability if they're hit with radiant damage. Hmm. Um, hydras do not get to regrow heads if they're hit with fire damage. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because you kind of cauterize. Well, the, that's that's mythology based. A wound, yeah. Yeah, that that's that's how Hercules ended up killing the hydra in, oh, yeah. in the Greek myth. He, uh, he sliced off its head, and it kept regrowing. So he's like, all right, slices it off and cauterizes it with a torch. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I feel like the so for, for all the, the new game masters and dungeon masters out there, um, put stuff like that in your games, please. Yeah, like, <laughs> don't, don't adhere strictly to the monster manuals and stuff. Like, uh, I, I, do random, I do random crap like that all the time. Mm-hmm. I actually, um, me and a buddy of mine just finished up our... Um, Battle simulator, yeah. Um, that we oh, that, the, that we coded up in Python. Yeah, you're talking about that a couple episodes back. Yeah, I think so. Um, the true fans will remember. We we finished we finished it up and we turned it in. Uh, we're gonna work a lot harder on it. We actually plan on coding it up and putting it up as a web app Ooh. for everybody to use once it's actually all flushed out and everything. That's pretty cool. Um, I because it's uh, a, a little like coding coding jargon. It's it's object oriented, so you have like a, a whole section of traits for undead mm-hmm. and then the different undead pull the attributes from that. Oh, okay. So we had to put the damages, resistances, and immunities that all undead have in the undead section. Mm-hmm. So then we didn't have to recode it in all of the other un- specific oh, okay. undeads. So, so they just kind of pull from that table. Yeah, so oh, all what? undead, basically all undead, are immune to poison damage. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it fitting Made that sense. all undead are vulnerable to radiant damage. If an undead takes radiant damage, it takes twice as much. Yeah, I put that in there because I think that's where it sh- I, I think that's how it should work. And with the with the poison immunity, that's just like their blood doesn't move, right? Yeah, they that's, they don't have blood. Yeah, so that it makes sense. The poison wouldn't do anything. Yeah, they can't. They're immune to poison, and they can't be poisoned. So, um, I would like to see uh, uh, some sort of system. I I realize this is probably a little weird to implement in your specific web app but like for D&D specifically I think it'd be really cool if you could uh, dismember undead and like that affects things. Oh like they, they take like uh, they take penalties if you can like take their limbs apart or something Yeah like maybe They give, shamble around a little more. Give your characters a, a skill check or something like an acrobatics or yeah, give like, a disadvantage for aiming for a specific joint Yeah like if you're if you're swinging a sword uh, you roll to attack, okay you hit roll an athletics to get like a uh, a specific uh, point, lop off its arm or mm-hmm. something. 
Or um, the opposite could be true, too. Uh, I don't know if you've ever played Resident Evil 4. Nope. But the zombies in that game, that, that's another, like, engineered zombie kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but there are zombies in that game that I remember that if you blow off some of their heads, a, uh, a large, like, tentacle beast will come out. Oh. And now you have to fight that. Oh, no. <laughs> so I feel like you could do something like that. Like, oh, there's one zombie in the pack that's maybe looking a little bloated. And yeah. It's like you kill it, and, like, a giant undead centipede, like, bursts out. Yeah. and then Or you kill it, and it, it explodes in, like, a, an acidic acidic burst. Yeah. Like really spice up your encounter. <laughs> yeah, just you can you can throw random stuff in there that you think are that you think is cool. Like mm-hmm. uh, I uh, recently had a big dungeon where there was like um, I was actually pretty proud of this and I really loved it. Um, there was like this fountain dedicated to a god that mm-hmm. had been desecrated and it was like fountaining out blood mm-hmm. and skeletons would just come out of the blood fountain until the fountain was destroyed. Oh, <laughs> they were all minions. They all they only only had one hit point, but. They were basically just skeletons, but they had they had one hit point, and they just more skeletons just kept coming until the uh, fountain was um, undesecrated or destroyed entirely. So we just gonna cork up this fountain. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I enjoyed doing that, and that's no, that's, that's really cool. That's what you have the that's what you'll have the most fun doing. Put your putting your own spin on things instead of just carbon copying them from yeah the from the monster manual, which um. We, we're gonna go like way way more in depth in the like encounter building yep. and combat episode um, but just like touching on it here it's it's really common for DMs to pull stuff from other editions yeah. of D&D for I, I love I love pulling stuff from different editions like uh, spice it up a little bit like maybe a fire elemental having a five foot radius of like he- intense heat yeah you know um, I had um, you were you were a part of this encounter too when you went to get that sword in the uh, under the hill. There was like this door that led to like a a, a subsection of the hells. Mm-hmm. There was like this armored uh, demon sentinel with hellhounds. Oh yeah, I remember him. Um, his hammer actually could spew fire. Hmm. Like he his 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 hammer. Um, had spikes on the end and like a like the big bludgeoning end of the hammer, mm-hmm. but the bludgeoning end could open up and it spewed like a dragon breath fire. Since okay. since he was well, he was a demon. Like he, he's fire oriented. So, say so is that is that something you lifted or did you just like that's something I just want his hammer to shoot fire. Well, I actually uh, found the image of the um, monster on Pinterest and mm-hmm. it just looked like that would be really cool if the hammer could just do something because it was <laughs> it was a really unique looking hammer. Yeah. Um, I guess I kind of got it from the first Thor movie, like the Sentinel that just like blasts a ray of stuff out of its head. Oh yeah. Like I, I guess I kind of pulled it from that. I, I suppose. I don't know. I've never seen. I've never seen a boss with a weapon that changes. That's kind of unique. Yeah, I, I liked it. Say, so, uh, I lifted uh, something from. I believe it was the 3.5. Yeah. Uh, Bog Witch. Mm. But I put it. Um, so my, my my characters were fighting a night witch, and the night witch is a is a being that steals beauty because she is horribly ugly. Yeah, the we got we got some like Disney aesthetic in here. Yeah, dark Disney. So she like really hates beautiful things, and so when like I took pieces of the bog witch and put it with the night witch, um, and then a little bit of the three point five witches, which have a an aura of 
Um, uh, this specific one was an aura of fear around them. Yeah. Like you get close and you're just like so horrified by mm-hmm. this grotesque creature. You have to make a constitution yeah. save or be frightened. I think that auras are very underused. Mm-hmm. I think that really powerful enemies, um, bosses in particular should have specific auras. Like I think, I don't remember if dragons actually have them or not. They don't in fifth edition. It, yeah. I don't think they did in fifth edition, but, uh, usually, uh, dragons have like an aura of fear where it's like they're just of course they're a, they're a dragon you're gonna be scared to approach it actually I think okay that's all that's what I would be, think of in 5th edition they have the frightful presence thing yeah cause so do like a, the higher up um, like pit demons yeah have an aura of fear I believe but um, yeah the dragons I believe have frightful presence I was thinking of like uh, I think it might be an action that they can take like I, I thought you were talking about like red dragons having like that aura of heat, and I remember I think that was a fourth edition thing. Uh, uh, I'm because c- I'm looking at it right now. Um, frightful presence for dragons is an action that they have to take. It's not an aura. Oh okay. Yeah, they have to take an action to use their frightful presence. I don't know. That's, that's yeah. Iffy to I'd me. much rather them have that as an aura. Like, can you just like turn off being scary? No. <laughs> Unless you're a doppelganger. Like, man, I could, wish I could just turn off being ugly. Which is funny because changelings are also a playable race um, that have the ability to shed their normal uh, facade mm-hmm. and um, underneath they're very ugly. So, like, once per day you can just be like, oh, I'm a normal person. Shoop, nope, everybody <laughs> make a make a wisdom check or be scared of me. Which that's a uh, – it's really funny you brought up doppelganger. I actually had a – a changeling in one of my campaigns mm-hmm. um and i think they're fun they were they were really they're really interesting and i i told them about um the the actor feat how it like oh yeah bust changelings wide yeah. open. yeah actors pretty good for a changeling and uh well long story short they didn't enjoy playing a changeling they thought it was kind of it's niche hokey. it's a niche so it's a niche thing went on to something new but that was the first time i'd ever had someone like and, and honestly, when they approached me, I was like, I want to play a changeling in my my personal being. I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And like my inside DM was just screaming. Yeah, because I know this is this is going to be awful. It's going to be rough for you. Uh, I, I made a kind of like on a character creation topic, but like uh, we're on the topic of monsters and it's a monstrous race. But yeah. uh, I made a changeling once. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I, I appreciate it. I made a changeling character. Um I think was a I can't remember their class. I never actually got to play them. Mm-hmm. I just made them one time, but uh it has multiple personality disorder. Oh. Um and it doesn't actually know that it's a changeling. Oh, that's cool. It doesn't okay. know that it's a changeling and it changes its person when its personality shifts, its form shifts. Hmm. Like I thought that was pretty interesting. That's really cool. Wasn't there like a there was a movie that came out recently um about the, a villain that had multiple personalities and like one of the personalities was homicidal but the other ones were fairly normal oh split yeah with uh, James McAvoy yeah I love James McAvoy I haven't seen that movie he's yet he's such but... a good actor he 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 nails it I definitely recommend that movie oh man it's so good well that would have to yeah um but anyway we anyways that, that was yeah. a big topic but I yeah. liked it I liked that discussion um the next thing I want to talk about is pet monsters yeah. So we we all flip through the dungeon the or not dungeon the uh, monster manual and 
we see something that's just really cool. Yeah. And we kind of latch on to it. Just with that yeah. one specific monster, like, I don't know when I'm going to use this. It's like, but... even if it's not, like, a, an optimal or, like, a really good choice, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, I always want to use these. <laughs> um, so what's, what's yours? What's yours? Um, I am a huge fan of, uh, like, devils, specifically. Devils are so fun. And like, I usually make an effort to include horned devils. Yeah, they're they're so classic. Yeah, like you just have your part. I, I usually introduce them to a very low level party to like spook them. Yeah, get get the fear in there. But like they just complete a dungeon and like a hole opens up in the ground and like you hear the the screams of the damned and this horned yeah. devil comes up and I was like, why are you here? And then you know they're all scared because like well, we're dead yeah that that's that's the point where uh one of your players leans over to uh, a fellow player like so what's your next character going to be <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I always like that and imps i love putting imps, imps. are so uh, imps are fun just I, a dick with the party when i make a warlock i always have to stop myself if it doesn't fit the character to like i have to stop myself from picking the chain just so that i can have a pet <laughs> imp because um, I, th- I think imps are fun. Just just make an effort to find a ring of familiar. Like, yeah, yeah. I want an imp. And uh, that that can be really fun for a, for a DM to, like, uh, run the imp, mm-hmm. or you the, you as a player can run the imp. It's it's up to the DM, but uh, it's always kind of fun um, to have that little, the literal devil on your shoulder. Yeah. And, like, there's just, the, the devils are... Just there's so many of them. There's and, so many, and they're all, in my opinion, very interesting. Yeah, there there's one for literally every situation. Yeah, like uh, there's like that encapsulates like like succubi. They're demons, or not demons. They're devils. Sorry. The in fifth addiction. It actually fifth, are they? Hold on. I'm gonna... They're in there. They're not in the devil or demon. They're they're their own thing. Are they're they classified really? as fiends. But they are neither uh, devils nor demons. They're considered uh, neutral evil, I believe. Oh, you're right. Medium fiend, shape changer, neutral evil. Yep, they're kind of they're wow. kind of under their own agency, which I, I kind of like about them. Uh, color me surprised. Rakshasa are the same way. the the uh, the tiger the tiger demons. Yeah. Um, I can't even call them demons. They're actually lawful evil, but they are also not under the subsection of demons and devils. Say, they're not your, like, classical Western demons. No, they're either. they're based on Indian mythology. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of cool, I yeah. guess. But it, it... I don't know. My my classical RPG-ness is just like, suck you, boy, or demons! <laughs> Pick one or the other. <laughs> um, I... Uh, it just popped into my head, uh, but I have I have learned through some extensive research on devils that I think you might be interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, since you brought up horned devils, horned devils, because of the way the devil hierarchy works, yeah. are the laziest of all demons, oh, or, of all devils. Um, of all the devils, horned devils are the laziest because they're right at that stepping stone of hierarchy level. Like, things aspire to be horned devils to go higher. Yeah. So horned devils don't have much incentive to go because they're at the bottom of their level and they're just above the level below them. <laughs> so they can just kind of like yeah. talk shit on the level they're, under yeah. them. They can talk shit on the level under them, but most of them don't want to put in the effort to go any higher. <laughs> I thought it was pretty interesting. That's like, funny. They're they're all game to uh, 
they're all game to follow orders and give orders, but like they'll they'll take orders begrudgingly. God, I we we can't get to the nine hells episode fast enough. I have a lot of fun, and I've watched so many. It's there's so such many, a fun topic. There's so many videos on the nine hells, and I've researched so much on them. It's just so interesting to me. Yeah, it's it, it's what it's all based off of. Uh, Dante's Inferno, like nine loosely. circles, loosely. Yeah, very loosely. You know, uh, just every to level avoid copyright. Every level of the Nine Hells has its theme and its own uh, sadistic archduke, um, and it doesn't really follow a pattern per se. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that follows the Dante's Inferno pattern really is that the lowest two levels are actually no, uh, the lowest of the Nine Hells is like a chasm. It's like an endless chasm. Uh, but the level right above it, um, where Mephistopheles is the Archduke, uh, is an icy wasteland. Okay, so that's just like Dante's Inferno then. Yeah, yeah it's it's close. And then they slap Asmodeus in the bottom nah, of the... Asmodeus. The, the bottom of the massive hole and shout the out to circle. Shout out to Asmo. <laughs> My boy. My boy Asmo. Now, I love just... Oh, there's just so much there, and like each circle, and it's and so their, in, like their boss. Yeah, it's so intriguing because like you can just you could throw them in anywhere to, to like to fuck with anything. Yeah, and, like the the arch the arch demons of each circle can just mosey out. Yeah, and you know visit the mortal plane, or uh, like send send some kind of like uh, astral projection of themselves. Yeah. Like there's there's just so much that you can do with them and they don't even have to be your big bad exactly like uh, anybody who like watches supernatural at all like Crowley sometimes is the big bad mm-hmm. but often he's just there to facilitate his own ends and screws with some stuff yeah but I've, I've always found him very interesting and Which they're they're all like well mostly mostly all devils are like lawful evil types they are all lawful evil they're, they have to be they they are all lawful because evil? of the lore they have to be See, they're, 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 they're mostly all for deals right they are com- they are magically every devil is magically compelled to be lawful evil okay yeah because of uh because of something asmo's done and so they're all here to literally have mortals make deals with them mm-hmm. and and they have to respect they have to respect those because if they don't, who's going to deal with them? Yeah, exactly. And then, like, the flip side of that is, like, the Abyss. Yeah, the Abyss and Demons, there's absolutely no holds bars with them. Yeah, they're, it's all chaotic they are, evil. They are just here to fuck shit up. Yeah, they will rip each other apart. Yeah, they all hate each other. Like, all of the Archdukes hate each other, but they'll work with each other. Mm-hmm. If there are two Demon Lords in any kind of close vicinity to each other, wherever they are is f- 100% destroyed no question oh no like wherever they meet will be obliterated oh that's god now I just want to like write I want to make yeah, campaigns yeah. around this like, stuff I, I, I've always felt like uh, talking about and thinking about monsters uh, gets me in, in the mood to like write encounters and write story uh, plots and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff like uh I think it's in Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, they really go into, like, the devil and demon uh, rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also goes into um, a little bit of uh, when a demon attempts to breach into the mortal plane. Because I think, I think devils have an easier time getting to the mortal plane than demons do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if a demon is able to breach the mortal plane, all they do is so so much discord and chaos 
that like the hole that they've come through just gets bigger and bigger until the demon lord actually comes out and there's just no hope for that area. Oh no. Absolutely no hope for that area. The demon lord comes through and just wrecks everything. I need to do I need to do more research on on the abyss before I really talk about it. All I know about the abyss is like the circles are infinite and the deeper you go, the bigger physically the demons get. Yep. Like they just get massive yeah. and much more terrifying the deeper you go. And at the very center of it all is Thera's Dune. Thera's Dune. <laughs> yeah, Thera's Dune is the god of the demons. He created the abyss. What a name. Yeah, it's 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 rough. Uh, Thera's Dune is basically Satan. He's like chained up at the very heart of the abyss. Okay. Um, next to the heart of the uh, the heart of chaos. Mm. which is what turned Asmo into a devil. Huh. See, uh, I don't know... Lore dump. I don't know how much... Because uh, I know that they released Into the Abyss Yeah. as a can- like an adventure module. I think that's a, m- a higher level module. It's like level 11 to 17. Yeah, I think so. I don't I don't know. I haven't played it. I haven't really looked into it. See, I've, I haven't heard I know that they have. Bad. I know they have all the Demon Lords statted out, which... Yeah. I, I honestly think is kind of a mistake if you give something stats that you can kill it. Yeah. That's why they, like, purposefully haven't given, like, any of the Archduke's stat blocks. It's like, I don't think gods of planes should have stat blocks. No, especially when it's it's canon that if you kill a demon lord, you inherit their power. Yeah. We don't want Boblin the Goblin inheriting the power of the Abyss. Yeah, Boblin the Goblin does not need to have the power of Orcus, the demon lord <laughs> of undeath. Right, so, uh, going off of... Uh, well, we didn't talk about your pet monsters. We we spent all that time talking about well, I got into my some devils. Of my, I got into some of my pet monsters too. Uh, I have a tendency to lore dump if I have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, my pet monsters range from a lot of things. I love kobolds. I love Yonti. I think I think I don't really have any pet monsters specifically, but reptilian monsters and undead monsters. Are uh, are close to are close to my DMing heart. Hmm. So like, do you do you put dragons in there, or I, uh, dragons are sort of their own? I I put beast. dragons in there. Dragons are one of my favorite creatures. Oh, okay. Uh, there's actually uh, I can't say too much, but uh, there's there's some pretty there's some pretty heavy stuff involving at least two dragons that you know of in my campaign. Yeah. Uh, one of them literally. Um, a black dragon uh, leveled an entire city. Yeah, see, we've we've seen in Tevin's campaign, yeah, exactly two. Yep. In my campaign, dragons are all, like, basically extinct. The only dragon... The only dragons that are said to be alive are, like, the most powerful ones, but nobody's seen them in, like, thousands of years. Yeah. Uh, you've seen two. <laughs> That's, that is way more than we thought we would see. Um, and both of them, both of them have guarded like, uh, both of them are guarding their, uh, a respective elemental source of magic. Like mm-hmm. the red dragon, um, the red dragon is guarding like, it's like a, it's a gem crystal kind of thing, mm-hmm. but is it is like, it is the shard of fire magic. Okay. Like the God of magic placed it on the earth and it Every time fire magic is used, it funnels magic from that. So they're kind of like they're guarding their own 
ley lines. They got they're basically physical representations of ley lines. Oh, that's that's really cool, actually. Yeah, I like, like that. A l- little bit, but like uh, the black dragon wields the uh, the uh, the acid, mm. the acid gem, and it like it, it empowers them. Like they're not normal dragons. Say, so, uh, I. I, I was gonna say this at the beginning of the of the episode, but I thought it was way too corny. Um, in the description for the dungeon episode, I used the sentence, "We're putting the dungeons in Dungeons and Dragons with this." Well, I just put the dragons in there for you. And so. now we're <laughs> we're putting the dragons in Dungeons and Dragons. There you we've, go. We've come full circle. Series complete. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Oh, we're actually kind of close. Uh, we have we have a couple more topics here for yep. for this one. I don't, I don't want to go too heavy with this. We can always do like a like a part two or whatever on just like specific monsters. Well, like there's there's so many monsters and there's oh, yeah. so much to talk about. We could make entire episodes of just specific monsters, Ooh, which we just might. <laughs> I did want to mention one last thing. And while we're on pet monsters, I've always wanted to, but never have used the slad. Slad? Yeah. They're like these monstrous uh, frog things that are. Um, <laughs> well, uh, turn turn to them. Um, say S L. Uh, uh, yeah, S L. They're 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 super weird. They're chaotic evil. They're spawned from the elemental chaos. Say for for people listening at home, I have a physical monster manual like in front of me. Yeah, they're they're just these grotesque frog esque monsters. Those. And oh yeah, those are freaky. They all they all like specialize in different things, and they level. They have a bunch of different challenge ratings. There's like shamans. There's brutes. There's like uh, roguey characters. Are they like elemental? Like, yeah, they're. El- I I can't remember if they're monstrosities or elementals, but um, well, let's check their stat block. They are or aberrations or aber. I was gonna say or aberrations. Ooh, yeah. They're large too. Mm-hmm. I think the gray slat is uh, medium. He's like the roguey. The rogue. Yep, the gray is medium. The rest are. There's a black one. Like the most powerful one is like a like a a death slad. Yep, death slad. Uh, challenge rating ten. Yeah, they're they're beefy. Um, I've always liked it because they're kind of. Um, I like the alien, uh, alien movies and like mm-hmm. the predator movies. Uh, slad reproduce by implanting embryos in people and then they hatch from their chest. Oh, like little tadpole chest yeah, there, bursters? There's uh, slad tadpoles that, uh, that... Oh, there is. Yeah, that burst from people when they're when they're ready to be born and they uh, emerge into fully formed slads. I, oh, I've my. always liked them a lot and I wanted to use them, but I never have. That's really cool. I actually just recently uh, replayed the uh, Resident Evil 2 remake mm-hmm. and in that, one of the... Uh, what well, one of the uh, bad guys gets implanted by one of the other bad guys <laughs> with a uh, an, an embryo for um, this sort of infected life form that if your body is strong enough to accept it, you become oh, like, that's this, cool. this giant monstrosity. But if your body is weak, it rejects it and bursts out of you and you die. I can't. Because I'm not a huge fan of Mind Flayers exactly, but I think they do something similar. Yeah, they do the, like, brain probe. Yeah, they thing. put, like, the brain probe in you and you, like, turn into a Mind Flayer, I think. Yeah. You'll you'll take on the uh, the form of a Mind Flayer and you'll yeah. just assimilate into like, one of them. I think Mind Flayers are neat, but I've never been a huge fan. See, I really like uh, Eldritch Horror. Like the, uh, yeah, the, the space lo- Lovecraftian stuff. stuff. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff just scratches an itch for me. Yeah, that's pretty neat. That's that sort neat. of uh, things that are so terrifying, your brain can't 
comprehend what they are, like so great, you just kind of explode. The great old ones. Yeah, like that, that kind of stuff just, I don't know, man, it's really cool. It tickles you? Yeah. It's fun to read about. It's really hard to implement. <laughs> yeah, very, very interesting, very hard to implement. But, you know, Mind Flayers, they... They have such a huge lore background. They do, and they have such they have such an association with the game. Wizards really likes making. Well, hell, Stranger lore for Things them. makes references to them, even though they're not correct. But do they really? Yeah. So I haven't watched Stranger Things. Uh, I haven't either, but I know that they make D and D references, and um. So I knew that. I knew not the first... to not to really bash the show, but it, yeah. it's it's a stretch. They talk about mind flares and like. The main creature they call, um, no, the main creature they call a mind flayer, but like they call some of its like minions a, a demigorgon. Mm-hmm. Demigorgon is the strongest demon lord in the game. Yeah. So you doing some disrespect? <laughs> you just doing some disrespect to my boy? They, they can't be a hundred percent accurate. Yes, they can. <laughs> it's like a, there's no reason not to. It's like when you specifically demigorgons, like D and D has such a weird thing about gorgons. Like, well, Demogorgon is not the same as a Gorgon. Yeah, but, like, even Gorgons aren't the same as Gorgons. No, they're actually called Medusa in D&D. Yeah, and that's weird. The, the, the species is called Medusas. Like Gorgons a, are, like, metal bull things. Yeah, when you when you play Magic the Gathering, yeah. the other wizards own the property. Uh-huh. They'll reference Gorgons. They'll make cards yeah. with Gorgons, and they're your very, like, which, Medusa snake people. Which is actually correct. The monster is actually called a Gorgon, and that is one thing that has always always bothered me. Yeah. The monster is called a Gorgon. The snake hair uh, petrify you is, is a Gorgon. Which I think I looked it up one time, and, like, in the first edition monster manual when they were making gorgons it's like an ancient greek or not greek it's uh it's greek oh like the the is it the snake hair gorgons are greek or the bull the snake hair greek i i know at least the snake hair gorgons are greek that's where medusa comes from but there's a there's some sort of ancient mythology that refers to i think it's african mythology I, i wouldn't know that refers to these metallic bulls as gorgons and that's what Gary Gygax was like, Gorgon, put hmm. it in the manual. Damn it, Gary. And it's like, well, what do we do with Medusas? And like, call them Medusas. That's like, okay. dumb. <laughs> like, that that's what the internet told me. I guess. <laughs> All right, so uh, last thing. Oh, we're already at the end already. Um, I want to talk about game-breaking monsters. Tarask. Well, yeah. <laughs> they literally break the world. There he is. It's, it's your boy. I'm talking about monsters that, like, when you put them into into your uh, encounters, they have the ability to just break the rest of the game for the foreseeable future. And uh, I, I did put Tarask in my notes because yeah. a, a lot of there, I hit it for you. A, a lot of like newer dungeon masters will be like, "Oh yes, Tarask, the big boy, put him in." Never should you come across to the point unless you're desperate to challenge your players. The Tarask is kind of the. Uh, all hope is lost. Nobody's having fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, nobody's being challenged. I shouldn't say nobody's having fun. If your party is so high of a level that they're just killing everything that you put at them, you throw a Tarask in to really screw them over. Yeah, because Tarasks have, like... Tarask is the emergency button. They have resistance to everything. They everything regenerate. except acid. Oh, there you go. They Start re- spilling acid Yeah, on. they regenerate. They're huge. They do a... They do a shit ton of damage. They have, like, six stomachs, and they can ingest you. Yeah, they can just eat you. Yeah, they're absolutely, like, Jesus Christ yeah. massive. They're meant to be game-breaking. Though. Yeah, 
But um, the other one I put in my notes was doppelgangers. Doppelgangers are weird. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't call them game-breaking, but um, I think it can add a lot of intrigue. Uh, why would you say it's game-breaking? Well, doppelgangers... Let me, let me just uh, flip to their little spot in the Monster Manual. No, not Dragon Turtle. We don't need Dragon Turtles. Dragon Turtles are cool, too. No. Anyway, um, so they're relatively low challenge rating. Yes. I think they're like two or three. Uh, somewhere around there, yeah. But they're inc- like way lower than I think they should be. Um, they, their whole shtick is that they assume the form of um, another living creature and then they kill it. They kill the creature and take their place. Not necessarily, because uh, this this came up recently. Um, doppelgangers. We had a big debate on whether doppelgangers were actually evil or not in a recent. Uh, in a recent session, they are not evil. They kidnap people. They'll, they'll kidnap people and they'll like probe their mind for thoughts, but they're not inherently evil. And they don't kill their victims usually. Usually, yeah. So they. Uh, but they'll put. They'll, they need. They need the person that they're imitating to put on the facade. Yeah. Say so they. I say I think it's just because they're so low a challenge rating because they're not really. They're not powerful. They have a low AC. Their damage doesn't do very much. It's it's more of a it's more of an RP um, and intrigue mm-hmm. monster. So I was mainly looking at like uh, their their challenge rating three. They come with multi attack, which is one. They're one of the lower CR creatures to have multi attack. Yeah. Well, they only do um, an average of seven damage. And they have innate. Uh, they have they can just read your thoughts. Yeah. So it's. It's one of those things that, like, if your party isn't prepared, yeah. it will majorly mess them up. Yeah, it, it can be rough. Um, Especially if they can get a party member down and assume their form. Yeah. And then suddenly you just you have, you have a doppelganger Every, everybody, everybody put a red X on their forehead so we know <laughs> who's who. And uh, it's like uh, one of the modules that um, I'm actually going to be running tonight. So this this isn't going up tonight. So my, my party, if you're listening... Uh, you don't know nothing. You don't know yet, but there's a doppelganger in this in this uh, dope one shot, and they put the person who wrote the one shot in parentheses underneath the doppelganger said optional. Only use this if your party isn't being challenged enough or you feel they can handle it. I think um, I think that they're appropriately challenging, but not in a traditional sense. Yeah, they're challenging because it's a curveball. It's something that if you're not prepared for, like you said, uh, can really screw with your players. Um, I, 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 that, that's it, really. Um, I don't. I wouldn't really consider them breaking or game breaking in any way, but they are a they are a good change of pace. Mm-hmm. I feel uh, from the rough and tumble, beat the crap out of these goblins to the oh, I don't even know who this is. And they, I think one of their biggest um, abilities is their ability to escape. Yeah, it's, they can they can become recurring enemies because they are so good at escaping. If it's, you're it's using a mental them right, game, yeah, for sure. Instead of a like you said, roll dice hit thing. Yeah, game. They run into a crowd. And you lost them. Like mm-hmm. there's no way. Say they. I don't. I wouldn't. When did they say that they? 
they change shapes. Is it as an action, I think? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I can use this action to polymorph into a smaller medium humanoid at a scene. Yeah. So literally six seconds. Yeah. So it runs off into the crowd, and in less than six seconds, it becomes anyone else. Yeah, it, it's... to to it, In my DMing uh, brain, that is, for a CR3, is really pushing it. Um, no other creature at this level, I think, is as terrifying for myself to implement than a doppelganger. It's just it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of micromanaging to do. I think it's a lot of, it's a lot to take care of on the DM's part as opposed to just uh, the same way it is for the players, where it's like uh, roll up and hit the things until yeah. the things don't have health anymore. Like you have to manage like what they are, what thoughts they're reading. You they... have to you have to keep in mind what they know. Um, you have to keep in mind. Um, you have to have a mind for this creature will not fight to the death. Yeah. It, like, w- it will try to escape, bef- like, probably probably when it gets to half health, you should have it run away. Yeah. And, like, God help you if it assumes the form of a party member, and the party member and the party members don't know. This is what I think is kind of funny um, about them is, I, I was referencing the, the, like, the Rick and Morty thing, where it's like, they put the red X on their forehead to make sure it's like, we can tell each other <laughs> apart. Yeah. But what's funny about the doppelgangers is it'd be able to copy that. Yeah. It it, just it's already it. seen you with that red X, so it's just like, okay, boop, I've got a red X, too. Six seconds, that's it. Yeah, and then it reads your mind, and it can be doing that while, like, like the big standoff where it's like, oh, I don't know I don't know who to who to kill. It could be either one of them, and they're, like, mm-hmm. trying to convince you. That one is reading your thoughts at the same time. Yeah, it has perfect knowledge. It has perfect knowledge to answer any question. So, yeah, that's, that's rough, but... Yeah, it's... So like, what what do you think? Do you is there any kind of smaller time monster that you hesitate putting in to encounters? Ghosts are rough. The ghosts. Ghosts are rough because they can literally save or suck kill you. Oh no. Um I think that the possession possession is rough too. Uh you you've you've essentially taken you've instantaneously taken away one of the numbers on your party side and I guess you've you've net nothing on your side because the ghost is controlling them but you've taken away one of their players immediately mm-hmm. and they net, they've the, the enemies are now working harder against you it's which especially for if a ghost gets at your barbarian yeah that's gonna be rough like mind control in itself like the suggestion or dominate person mm-hmm. is always Backbreaking to a party. Yeah. Because they'll generally go for the party member who has the highest DPS. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's always going to be situational, but usually, um, if the ghost is going, if, if the, uh, if the mind controller is going to go about it tactically, I think that they should always go for the, the tank Mm -hmm. because once, once the tank is gone, yeah. Everybody else is squishy. Well, they usually have like low wisdom, right? Yeah. That's the that's the thing is a lot of times when people make um, big smashy tank characters, that wisdom's the dump, the, the dump stat. The charisma, the intelligence, the wisdom is usually a little lower. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't you don't really need those. It, it it's much easier to have a barbarian fail their wisdom save than mm-hmm. to get the wizard to yeah. fail their wisdom save. Yeah, and then the then your barbarian just goes and wails on the wizard, and then yeah, you lose. Yeah, so I can totally see how yeah. ghosts are anything that kind of anything that can take party members away to add to their own forces mm-hmm. um, is rough. 
which um, it's really kind of sketching me out because, like I mentioned with this one shot, um, the I think it's the third encounter of it's like a mansion, like a haunted mansion kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's cool. Um, the third encounter is with poltergeists. Well, poltergeists don't possess. So both. I don't think. I, I can't remember if there's like I know there's a couple poltergeists. I can't remember if there's a ghost, but um. Yeah, I was like ghosts are the big one. I actually can't remember if poltergeists can um, possess or not. Say so while 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 he's looking at that, I'll I'll kind of read this. It, the the module I'm running by the way is called the the Mad Manor of Astabar, which is uh it's a module from second edition that's been adapted by a member of the community. Um, for 5th edition, which um, it was adapted by David uh, Dudka. Dudka. Um, so, you know, shout out to him because I absolutely love this one shot. I've run it for, I think, three different adventuring parties as a Halloween kind of episode. And they've all loved it. It's got great puzzles. And um, for this one specifically, I handmade props that's cool um, yeah so like pieces of the puzzles in here there's like a there's a skull puzzle where each skull has a, a moon phase on it you have to yeah, put I them in the right order I think you are telling us about that in a earlier episode so I went and bought tiny uh, plastic skulls yeah. and put moon phases on them I, I hope they enjoy it it's, I'm sure they will that's cool it's been cool. super fun to put this all together props and, always add a lot and you can always just run it as a one shot in the middle of the year it does have to be Halloween yeah. Uh, fun fact: Poltergeists do not possess. They do get like a telekinetic um, thrust ability, where like they can grab any medium-sized thing within thirty feet and just like throw it at you. Yeah, and that's is that like an unarmed strike? Would that just do one damage, or is is there, it, no, does it have damage? It, calc. It does damage. Oh man. Yeah, it is a it's a two d four damage. Oh, yeah, that's not bad. It's not terrible. Yeah, especially for like what their challenge rating is. Yeah, their challenge rating too. Yeah, but I, if I remember right, there is there's two poltergeists and one ghost. Yeah, the ghost will be rough. And I am absolutely terrified. <laughs> I, I'm sure it'll be okay as long as not everybody's rolling terribly. Yeah, which there's, uh, there's seven of them. It's, it's there fine. was um, I can't remember if everybody was there that night. There was four or five of us. Uh, we were fighting a vampire. Um, we're level four, and we were fighting like an ac- an actual vampire. It wasn't like fully fledged. Mm-hmm. It didn't have like its legendary um, actions or anything, but uh, it was rolling hot. Like our our DM was rolling hot. Yeah. And we were rolling really terribly, and we all almost died until <laughs> until we had uh, an NPC that we had been dealing with um, was a paladin. He came in and uh, started. Uh, he didn't even really wreck house. He was just there to soak up attacks while the rest of us ended up killing the vampire. Stop, monster. You yeah. don't belong in this world. Ambrose, the <laughs> the senile pa- paladin. Oh, no. <laughs> he was like 60. Not exactly Victor Belmont. No, no, no. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, that, was, that was Ambrose, the 60-year-old senile paladin that oh, was chasing God. around an old lady earlier. Oh man! So I think uh, I think that's where we're gonna call it for this episode. It's been yeah, it's been eventful. It's been a good one. I liked. I really like talking about monsters. I I could talk about monsters all damn day, which we just might. Uh, <laughs> they want, uh, we'll we'll start getting into these episodes where we'll just talk about monster types. Yeah. So uh, this has been uh, area of expertise. If you would like to uh, follow more about the podcast, you can follow myself on Twitter at it's Butlet. That's I T S B U T T L E T. We're also on YouTube, Spotify. Um, 
Google Podcasts, and soon to be Apple Music. So new Apple users, watch out for the future. You can also find us on anchor.fm slash AOE dash D&D. That is where you can find all of our episodes completely uncut. Uh, yeah, uh, Devin, is there anything that you would like to uh, plug as we go out here? No, go go forth and make your games great. DMs and players. All right. Oh, we'll see you next week. Later. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our show, you can support us by leaving a rating on Area of Expertise. If you are listening on YouTube, a like or subscription is a great way to let us know you want more. This has been AOE, and we'll see you in the next one.